Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello folks, once again, it's time for an exciting but little bit of a different Livinio to Levy podcast episode. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen, and right now we are going to announce the new plan for the season, the upcoming season, season 11. And naturally we'll have the CEO of Vismaski Classics, David Nielsen, on the other line. David, how, how are things in Sweden at the moment? Uh, hello Teemu, it's uh, great actually, and the uh... Today is the day after the American election, so I hope our winter and our season will be ex- exciting as this presidential election has been, because it's very, very interesting following that race. So David, before we uh, get to the new season and the, uh, the new plan for season 11, let's take a walk down memory lane and kind of recall last season and the new things that Vismaski Classics uh, brought to the table? Yeah, I mean, season 10, the, the previous one was, of course, uh, a very exciting one for us. It was celebration, the 10th year, and uh, we had great plans for, for the whole season, including the, a special event at the, the final gala in Levy, which, of course, didn't happen. So. So it, it started off with a very exciting beginning of the season, and then it became, of course, a, a different ending of the season. But we had three big new things we launched in front of season 10. First of all, the challengers. When we, some years ago, decided to broaden the, the brand of Vismaski Classics, that we would not only communicate with the now what we call the Pro Tour and their athletes and, and their event, but also speak more to recreational skiers around the world being a more uh, a digital community for, for all cross-country lovers around the world. Then we uh, launched a couple of features. One was the, the challengers, the, so to say, second tier of events, or also an entry level of events, where all, with a, basically a, such a low entry level that more or less all events should be able to be part of, of our, so to say, the Vismaski Classics family. Because when we launched the Pro Tour, we did, uh, you know, limit it to between 10 and 12 Pro Tour events, which means that we also had to say no to a lot of requests to be part of the tour. Because we believe that 10 to 12 events is the maximum that that a professional athlete can do and uh, want to do and uh, be at the start line at all events, which is important for us to have our big stars at, at every event and to build them. So we launched the challengers to be able to to include all the events and that everyone having an event in the world would be welcome and uh, and also to make it more integrated we launched that uh, all the the pro tour athletes uh, fighting for the yellow bib or all of them actually but even if you don't fight for yellow bib you can count one the best challenger result for every season in the yellow bib competition and a challenger, if you win one, you get 50 points. If you win a, a pro tour, you get between 200 and 300 points. So uh, that's been very exciting to kind of uh, connect the whole world of cross-country skiing. Uh, 
So that Challenger was, uh, I think we had the first year. Now in front of season 11, we are over 35 uh, Challengers being part. I think we were close to 25, 30, something like that in front of the first season. So having that first year where we had already from the start events from Iceland to Argentina to China and USA, of course, the American Birkebeine part of the Wismaski Classic Challengers concept was was a great rollout, I would say. And even if we have long-term also perspectives how to how to build and to increase the the importance of the challengers and to help to market these events and hope hopefully they will get over time more more participants in the events too and also more media attention. So so the challengers I think was uh, probably the 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 biggest news uh, in front of season 10. Then, of course, what we think also was um, important in connection there is that we launched what we call the My Pages. So every skier, professional or recreational, can find in for free. They can log into our uh, homepage, the wismaskiclassics.com, and click on the My Pages section and connect to their own results. So you can get find your own ranking you can select your friends and as favorites and you can uh, compare yourself in the ranking table between them so uh, all our recreation skiers are in the same ranking uh, table as the professional and what's fun with the ranking what we call the, the ski classics ranking is that you have uh, men and women in the same ranking so it's calculated on the 20 best, or actually now we changed half the season 10, but now it's 15 best um, results the last 24 months. And you get your your points depending on the time you're after the, the winning person in your gender. So you can compare men and women on the same on equal terms. So, uh, uh, which is very exciting that actually, you know, Andreas Nygård, Britta, Astrid, Lina, and Elias and so on, are actually able to compare in the same uh, league. So, so having one ranking for all skiers, recreational, men and women, elite, that, that was, uh, I think, a big investment and a, a very exciting feature that we will build over time. And so, so that one I, was maybe my personal favorite of the, of the news that we launched uh, in front of Season 10. And I, ah, there was probably more news, but one more that I know you have remembers Temo very well is that we introduced uh, a new race in the Prutor called La Benosta in the beautiful valley of Langtaufer in the, the Sytrol region of uh, northern Italy. It's a, a new challenge, a valley which is a little bit hidden. So I think most of the skiers, at least myself, kind of never heard about places like Melago and Capron and part of it. And it's a magical, magical hidden valley. So I was very happy to see the feedback after that uh, the season when when we get in all the feedback from the different uh, uh, athletes and and so that they were overwhelmingly positively surprised about the the place for racing in in the Melago region there. So so this was three of the the big news in season ten. And also, we could say that the last season, the the anniversary season, season ten, uh, could be described as the year of a year of the youth, and the year of the really strong uh, female of women's field. 
we had so many great competitions, uh, neck and neck, you know, Lina uh, uh, against Britta and Astrid and so forth. And for, for a while, it looked like that now Britta will definitely have to fight tooth and nail to keep the, uh, keep the yellow bib. But of course, yeah, it, it, and it was like a little bit sick. Yeah, it was extremely exciting races last year. I mean, starting off the season with Emil Passion coming in as, I believe, the first youth skier ever to win a Brutor event. I might be wrong there, but I think so. And uh, then he, he followed it up a couple of weeks or later and, and won the second one. So coming a little bit from, not from nowhere, we, we, of course, everyone's been watching Emil and seeing his great progression over the years. But still, it was not the talk maybe before the events that he would be the winner and then um, ah, it, was, it was interesting it was shaking around a little bit this traditional uh, stars we had for five six years that they came uh, many new and uh, in the beginning of the season a lot of them were from Lager 157 the Swedish pro team with Marcus Johansson and Andreas Holmberg on the men's side and as you mentioned on the women's side the, the winter was more exciting than ever first Britta had a had a great uh, race, and then Astrid came and was on a, a different planet, finishing in the best ever women result, so to say, in the men class, if we would say like that. And then uh, it was time for Lina Koshgren shows, both in uh, in Kaiser, and then what everyone, of course, remember is the the the, the fantastic performance she did in um, in Vosaloppet, which was completely outstanding too. So it was really. And with, with, with Britta being able to secure the yellow bib for what, the fifth year in a row. So, uh, what a season. And also, it's important to uh, bring out that in addition to all these young skiers and Lena doing really well, we had the, the, uh, the classic, the old legends still doing well. Peter Eliasen against Stian Hölgard at Vasaloped, Andreas Nigorts, who won the uh, yellow bib, his amazing sprint at Topla Cortina. So it was a bit of a big mix of both, young, new, old, and the legends. Season 11. David, now it's time to announce the exciting new plan for season 11. How does it look like? Yeah, I mean, of course, we had to cut the last three events in season 10 from the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, since then, we've been following daily monitoring the situation uh, around the world, seeing, and especially, of course, in our focus is in, in the Euro Europe, where we have our pro tour. But we've been following and developing, waiting to, to see what will be the best solution for the coming winter. Of course, the pandemic is far from over, and it still is far from over even now when we are in, in the beginning of November. So uh, we have been uh, working, we launched, of course, the, the, the season 11 schedule in May, but we had uh, different options uh, ready in case we would need it. And uh, we took a decision this week in the board of, of Vismaski Classics to go for what we call the plan B. And when we have been monitoring the, the situations around Europe, have been developing over time. We cannot see that there is a safe haven, so to say, in, in more or less any country, but it's it's quite bad everywhere. So our approach has kind of been, uh, first of all, what, what, what our mindset has been, that when we have a troublesome season ahead, we need to work from our side even harder than normally 
to be sure to do our utmost to secure a calendar and uh, events for the pro tour team and their athletes because that's that's our job and also for our fans of course but but to secure uh, a good en- enough uh, calendar even in in troublesome situation so our approach has been that we should be proactive and uh, even in a complex situation like the one we had that be proactive and try to do you know the best we can from all parts of the crew to to be able to deliver a really good season 11 even if the conditions are not on our side when we have been uh, monitoring so to say the you know what what's uh, what's the different options as i said we before we we see that there is no place that is so much better than anywhere else in europe no country is standing out so our um, strategic or our decision has been that the best thing we can do is to move the season later that's kind of the 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 window we see to get uh, time on our side hopefully we see that the pandemic is losing its grip if we're lucky the vaccine starts to come out to to risk groups uh, after new year so we say that uh, in order to to do a good calendar keeping it um, uh, that that's the focus to make it later as possible and for me personally i think the plan b that i'm going to launch now for you all and utmo as well uh, is maybe even more interesting than plan a if i can say it like that i think we got a really i'm really proud of my team who who in the last minute find the, the small pieces that we were uh, left out so um so I, I, it's really exciting to, to launch, uh, I think, the Plan B and waiting for the events to start. Before I launch it and tell you about the, the calendar, I would like to, uh, so to say, uh, talk about the decision we'll make from here and the rest of the season. When we launch the Plan B, we will not uh, start to make new moves of the events or, or, or on the calendar, but the decision will be two weeks before each event from a Corona perspective go or no go. So basically, when we come closer to each event, we will see what's possible in that country from different uh, perspectives. And then we will make the go ahead or not go ahead. And then we will see in the end of the season how many races we were able to deliver. We hope, of course, that we can deliver all the events in the season, but we have to wait and see and do our take one step at a time and do our best every weekend. That's the basic plan. It sounds like uh, you guys are ready uh, for this. But, and it's good that you pointed out that two weeks before, it's always a no go or no go. So there's no sudden uh, additions or replacements. Uh, so that, that, that's a good thing. And of course, towards the end of the year, we'll see how many races uh, have been done. Uh, but now, please go through the, uh, the schedule. Uh, you, you can't wait, can you, Timo? No. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure everybody else wants to hear hear them as well. It's a cliffhanger. No, but we I will come back to some decisions later. But uh, basically, what we do is that we move our events before Christmas. We feel that our prologue week in Livigno is coming up really really soon, and it's it's not able to to do it in a good way. So we will we will move our pro team tempo, which is our first event every year, to 14 of January. And we would put it two days before La Diagonela in Engadin Valley in beautiful, in the beautiful Grauwinden canton of uh, Switzerland. And we will put the protein tempo in the same place. So the protein tempo will start in Swats and finish in Swats. Pretty similar course like we have in Livigno. It's a, 
plus minus a 16, 17 kilometer course uh, to over two laps. So in total, 17 kilometers and uh, a flat course. We want to have it a flat course on the protein tempo because we want uh, the drag to be significant. So it's, uh, you know, working together is, is important. So the 14th of January, we will kick off the season in uh, Switzerland. And the protein tempo, of course, is where the pro teams uh, in reverse order from uh, from last year's ranking of the pro teams normally start. And uh, the male athletes start together. And then um, the third athlete's time is counted. And then the time the team get from the male competition is decisive when the women of the team will start after in a pursuit. So the female skiers, they start about 50 minutes later after the last team has finished. And then they start according to the times the, the male skiers uh, gave them, so to say. And all the female skiers in the team, they start at the same time together, helping each other to, uh, to get the, the best total time. So the first female skier over the finish line represent the winning pro team of the pro team tempo. So the, then we stay with La Diagonela, our normal race on uh, uh, Saturday, the two, two days later on the 16th of January. From there, we move weekend after to Tobla Cortina on the 23rd of January. We stay in Italy to uh, Marcelonga uh, the weekend after on the Sunday. And here is new that after Marcelonga, we were supposed to have a free weekend in the calendar. But instead, we move our event from 20th of December, La Venosta from the Sutrol to uh, 7th of February. So uh, we will have that race weekend after Marcelonga. And I think having three weekends in Italy after each other is a good choice, making sure we cross as few borders as possible and hopefully making it easier for different skiers of, of various nationalities to be able to to get to the to different events this winter. In La Venosta, it's, uh, as before, separated between um, recreational skiers on one day and uh, the professional teams on the other day. It's a tough course, so it's one extra loop from last year. So it's uh, 45 kilometers on a quite hilly terrain, also on high altitude. So it's a really tough race. Uh, we insert this year one sprint in Levinosta. That's new. We used to have climbs, but now we have one sprint after first lap, and then we have climbs coming up. So Levinosta is um, new there in the seventh, uh, on the 7th January. February, sorry. Then weekend after, we have Jisarska Parasatka, of course, Czech Republic, as planned. So after that, Jisarska, we have two free weekends heading up for our Scandinavian leg. And here we have a change. But first, we start with Vasaloppet. And Vasaloppet also announced that they will do changes due to the corona situation. They will not have this um, significant start with uh, 16,000 skiers together. They will separate it. So we will have an elite race where women for the first time start um, separate from the men. So we have a a preliminary start time on 7.40 for women and 8 o'clock for men, pro team athletes. And uh, so it's kind of really exciting to see the dramaturgic of, of that race, seeing, uh, of course, where Marit Björgen had announced uh, the comeback, getting the, a little bit extra focus on the female skiers in that race will be very exciting to see. 
After Vasaloppet, we have a free weekend going to Birken. And uh, of course, Birken also is the last of the four Grand Classics events, which is something we launch in front of this season, where you can make a Grand Slam if you if you uh, win all four of these events. Yeah. So Vasaloppet, of course, 90k is a tough race. So having a free weekend before going to the next Grand Classics in Norway is a, gr- a good choice for the calendar. Then after Birken, we insert our old friend Åre Fjällsloppet. So we move from uh, from uh, Lillehammer to Åre. And, uh, but it's not the same Åre Fjällsloppet that we used to have. It's a, it's a new course that we will launch for this season. We've had the feedback over the years that uh, the skiers, uh, athletes and the proteins want to test a little more longer, a little bit tougher races. So the decision is to make Åre Fjällsloppet 100 kilometers, which is the longest race we ever had in Vismaski Classics. But it's also quite a varied topography of the race. So I think it's going to be a, a very, very good challenge for the skiers and for the, for the fans also to, to be able to watch. So the race, Orpheus Loppet, is uh, uh, divided into two parts. The 100K is for the elite. And I know that there's a discussion within the race how to open up for some super super recreational skier, so to say, if you qualify with from some of the other Visma ski, ski Classics races and you can get, in the My Pages, you can collect pins and uh, we will come back to that. But I know that they're discussing a certain, if you have a certain time and you can qualify to be able to start in the 100K course in Orifias Loppet. So they will launch it with it before Christmas. But this... Uh, Race uh, will uh, start in uh, Volodalen. It will go all the way the normal 55 kilometers course, for, which they have also then for the main race of recreational skiers. But then when we come to Etzestalen, where we used to have the finish on the steep uphill there, we turn back home and uh, do a loop back to uh, another 50k back to Volodalen. So it's going to be a, a, a long day in a fantastic nature with two sprints and two climbs. Um, the women will start four to five minutes before the men, so we will have exciting races on both uh, both genders uh, separate for a long part of the of the track. So yeah, the Earth is up, but on 27th of March, it's going to be a really, really exciting race in, in the, the Plan B calendar. And then we have luckily one free weekend because that that race is going to take a lot of energy from the skiers. Then we go to the previously Plan A races, Race de Lopet, and the final in Ullesleve. So these are the 11 events in um, the Season 11 Plan B uh, schedule. And as you said, I mean, it looks really an exciting, a tough, tight, tight schedule. Uh, once again, I'm gonna go, go, going to go through all of these, and then we talk about... Uh, each one of them a little bit more I mean you really gave a good information package of all each race but more from the uh, from the side of Canada what kind of races these are and for those people who haven't done the races our pro pro team athletes they know these races inside out but for those who are listening and and want to kind of pick the ones to come and do but once again so the uh, the schedule goes as follows the pro team tempo is first then Engadin of course La Diagonela then Topla Cortina after that, Machalonga. After that, La Penosta. Then Yiseska Paresatka. Uh, then Vasa Lopet. 
after Barca Lopez is Birkebeinerenet, then Orefels Lopez that you just uh, told us about, really new, great addition, the longest race in uh, Bismarck Classics history. And uh, of course, Reis de Lope, which is probably the toughest race, at least so far. But it'll be interesting to see between Orefes Lopet being 100k and a tough one as well. And then Reis de Lope, which is a shorter one, 50k. And finally, Ulas Levi, 70k race uh, in Finland. So that is the calendar. You can check the dates, of course, uh, on our website. But going through each one of these, uh, Protein Tempo, you pretty much gave us the kind of the run through. Uh, but so far, it's been. It's been kind of tested, different kind of sort of uh, uh, um, formats for this. But the one that we have right now seems to be working really well. And the athletes and pro teams are really happy with this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also, it's not only a competition, the pro team tempo. It's it's a way to introduce the, the skiers for the winter and the new, uh, this change we have, you know, in uh, in this Masky class, of course, we have a... a uh, silly season time after the previous season until the, the next one starts or until at least the teams are registered in the, in the beginning of October. So it's a lot of things happening. Skiers of different nationality move to teams, they quit, a new one comes in, etc. So it's a lot of changes. So the protein tempo is a, it's a great time to, to present the, the actors of the coming winter's drama. So we... We want to have that time that all the 35 pro teams, it's, um, we have locked now to 35. We had, we're happy to see that we got actually more applications that we were able to give licenses out. But we have 35 pro teams and that they, all of them get a little bit spotlight in the protein tempo, introducing all the skiers. It, it's kind of an introduction to the season for also the TV commentators and, and the fans watching. So it's more than a race, I would like to say. And then two days after, as you said, is La Diagonela, which is at least one of the greatest races in terms of the, the scenery and uh, the location itself. And we have to remember that these two, Protein Tempo and Engadin, uh, the La Diagonela, are the first races in a high altitude. Yes, traditionally, we have a Livigno, then after that, La Venosta. But now these two are the, uh, the first ones. We're starting really high up in terms of the yeah, altitude. But- they are close to 2000 meters and um, of course that's part of where the global warming is taking us that we um, you know we need to go higher to, to be able to to have snow and minus degrees so but i think our skiers has um, adapted quite well to it so uh, I, people are quite used to it i think the skiers know know what the good and bad and how to uh, ski differently when when you are on the high altitude and it's a good course too, La Diagonela. It has a little bit of everything. Flats, climbs, uh, good sprints, and as I mentioned, a great scenery. Yeah, and they have... Uh, La Diagonela is, of course, the name of the the long race, so to say, the 65 kilometers course. They also have... Since this is the beginning of the season, they have also La Pacifica, which is half the distance from Pontresina back to Suarez. And then they have uh, La Corta, which is, um, I think... A little bit more than ten kilometers in starts and finishing swats, so uh, that's um, there's races to do there. And if you haven't been in the Valley of Engadin doing cross country skiing, you, it's really a must. It's not only you know, the race itself; it's, it's going through almost every part of the of the valley. But there's also extra hideouts that you can find in terms of Val Ruseg and Val Fex and the Monterrache Glacier and Mutas Murail uh, train up to the 
fantastic viewpoint and the valley is, is proud to have if I'm, if I'm not wrong 322 sunny days per year so it's a safe place to go if you want want good weather and i think they have more than 200 kilometers of groomed cross-country ski trails so it, it is indeed a great place to, to just to go over and spend some time and then do skiing in a perfect location so yeah, after you only you only have to do uh, the full track two times to make the new world record in the 24. <laughs> indeed but after la diagonella topla cortina a shorter race but now as you said a different time for this it's much earlier than before yeah it's the, of course due to the fact that uh, they're planning to have the alpine world championship in cortina the, uh, which starts in the beginning of february so uh, basically it should be on the same time as the normal date for the race, which normally is the weekend after Marsalonga. So uh, they requested to to move to the weekend before Marsalonga so they don't collide because, of course, our the race finished in the city center of Cortina, so it would be quite a difficult um, situation for for the LOCs. So, yeah, they moved, and which means they've also moved La Diagonela one week earlier than, than uh, the year before. So yeah, Tobla Cortina is is different, but it's still, I would say, a senior race, similar to La, La Diagonela, that you you know, with this starting the German speaking part of Tobla, going over the pass into the Italian Cortina, Italian in terms of uh, speaking language, mother tongue in there. And uh, you know, it, it's a great day through the Dolomites, then uh, you know, it's top top of the top of the world resorts, I would say. Yes, and the race takes place in a UNESCO uh, World Heritage, and it has those three peaks and the uh, railway uh, tunnels and many d- different great uh, sites to see. Yeah, and my well. favorite is uh, Lago de Braies, the the lake up uh, in the valley before, it's, and it's it's fantastic in the, in the winter time, but I would say even more beautiful in the summer when it's totally turquoise uh, mountain uh, lake. So if you if you have the way around in that area summertime then they go to lago de Braes. and then the next race is another race in italy probably one of the uh, the most legendary races in the world much longer and also for a lot of people uh coming over you can do two races in italy back to back which is always good you know two different different ones and have a little bit of shorter race first and then much longer which is 70k race uh really you know atmosphere wise probably the one that everybody kind of picks up saying oh this is this is a race they want to do uh is there anything else you want to say about marcelonga I mean, so much has been said about yeah exactly i mean marcelonga is uh, one of the grand four grand classics one of the monuments in the Vismasi classics tour so uh, of course it's quite known but it's actually this year you can actually do three italian in a row you can do tobla cortina and then marcelonga and then the weekend after when since we have moved la venosta to to the 7th of february you can actually get three completely different races in in uh, very nearby valleys. So staying two weeks in uh, in Italy, there doing three races, it can be uh, the time of your life. Indeed, that was a good segue to uh, for us to talk about La Venosta, which is, as you said, probably a bit of a place that's a bit unknown to people, although they have this famous tower, you know, the the church tower that comes, uh, you know, kind of. Up from a water uh, but besides that you know the valley itself at least i guess for you and me was kind of uh, kind of a new thing to discover uh, and uh, but a great place and tough course 
it's really yeah, it, it's uh, it's a side valley, Langtaufer, to the Venosta Valley, which is quite famous from cycling and and apples, because of course that's where the the Stelvia Pass is starting. So if you saw Giro d'Italia just the other other week here, not so long time ago, then of course they went through all these apple fields where where you have to be careful driving around because there's small tractors pretty much everywhere. So um, coming up there into the Stelvio Pass that turned left, so to say, there you turn right and you come in to the lake where the, with the church in the lake, as you call it, the Temo. And, and there's a small road going uphill there into this Langtaufer uh, valley. And that's where, where the road ends, you have Melago. And that's where we have our start and finish of the race. It's a very picturesque small village where they have will over time invest a lot in cross-country skiing. They got significant support to to build more of cross-country skiing resort there. So uh, it's uh, it's one of my favorite places. And funny thing is, as you said, you know the area is really known for its apple production, which I didn't really know that much about until I w- <laughs> went there and started to pay attention to the apples that I eat and realized that way. They actually come from there. Not all of them, but quite a lot. It's, it is really a famous for that as well. Uh, but from La Benosta, as you said, Yiseska Paresatka, one of the, the ground, ground jewels as well, and the uh, Crown Classics uh, in the Czech Republic, really a different kind of atmosphere there. And, and also the Yisera Mountains, very different. I mean, you start in the small, small wooden village, small wooden Czech village, can I say like that, of Bedrichov. And you make a 50k loop, and uh, when you come up, you're you're close to both Poland and Germany, so you can actually see kind of when you are on the on the side of the hill on the way back, you actually see Poland. Basically, you can touch Poland if you if you put your pole out in the air. I guess it's Polish territory more or less. So it's very 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 close there in the border of the countries, and uh, on top of the race there, it's a fantastic view. You see. Uh, you have a, a great uh, view there of, of uh, all the landscapes uh, surrounding, all, almost all the way to Prague. And in the other direction, you can see probably uh, almost all the way to Warsaw if you look in the right direction. So it's a, uh, it, it is has become, I think, for all of us uh, being part of the tour, a stronger and stronger part of of the winter. And I think um, the David Dusa in um, in the head with his crew has done a fantastic job to increase the the event and the feeling and the, uh, the atmosphere around it too. So it's it's a great place. And if you want a different, I mean, a lot of us doing uh, cross country skiing in the Alps go to Italy and Marcelonga say very famous. But I think there's a lot of people that can discover also the Czech part, which is completely different. But a lot of love for cross country skiing and great tracks and and great beer too. And the, the course itself is also quite challenging, but not too bad. I mean, it's actually pretty perfect for diagonal striding, you know, for those skiers that are thinking about it, uh, going over. Uh, it's a great a couple of really long climbs. It has a little bit of everything and, and definitely a race that work, fits pretty well for uh, all kinds of skiers. Yeah, and then a Kneipe, the first 10K is uphill and it feels, I mean, you do it, it, it kind of never ends. And uh, so the 10K, first 10K starting uphill, it's, it's a long one. And then after that, Vasalopet. Naturally, it is the, often called the king of the races. But as you mentioned earlier, this year will be completely different. Something that hasn't been done before. 
due to the uh, the pandemic. Uh, it'll be a different kind of race. Pasa Lopez, but not the the same old story this time around. Once again, let's talk about that a little bit more. What are you expecting from this type of different kind of Pasa Lopez now? Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's the same race. I mean, the start will move a couple of hundred meters on the other side of the road. They don't need to do the road crossing since there will not be so many people allowed to start at the same time. So uh, giving the opportunity to have a different time for men and women for the first time, it's it's interesting to see the fallout uh, of that because, of course, we know we're going to have uh, great skis on the start line on both genders and uh, having letting them for the first time make so to say their own races within the gander is uh, interesting but it's also uh, you know a charm normally with Vasilop, but having all starting at the same time eight o'clock sixty thousand people and being different in that way too so of course we're going to miss the start pictures that for sure but um yeah i think COVID 19 it's uh, kind of affects us all and uh, that's the best solution they, they can make and uh, yeah, then it's be interesting for us afterwards to see was it you know to evaluate uh, having different start times and there's been different options should we have the women first men first and it's also affecting this, this is the same day unfortunately it's always the same day as the a world championship 50k race meaning that uh, most of our broadcasters in Sweden as SVT for Vasaloppet and his NRK and Horizon, they also broadcast the World Championship from Oberstdorf. And of course, start that starts at 12.30, that's the plan. And um, so that affects a little bit also what the options are in terms of, of the race, because for sure, uh, everyone wants to see both races and, and both, you know, so, so it need to be, it affects, so to say, the, the possibilities on, um, on the start times when we separate them. But I think it's going to be a great, Great to see that for the first time and then evaluate it. And we keep him also up at the, what we call the first hill climb in English. Uh, so uh, putting up a little bit uh, pace from the beginning um, so that we get an interesting start of the race. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Hope for good weather. It's been a lot of snowy years now, so I think it's time for a faster race this winter. It will certainly be a good race, even if we don't have all the 16,000 people behind our elite skiers, but a race nevertheless. But after that, Birke Benerene, there's a week uh, in between another classic race, uh, Grand, Grand Classics uh, event. Birken, again, quite a lot of has been said about the race and everybody, at least everybody in Norway knows the race, but still there are peop- a lot of people who haven't done the race. Yeah. No, but, uh, and uh, there's a free week in between. And as of today, well, I, I guess at, le- at least yesterday, it changes now so rapidly all the rules, etc. around Europe. But uh, there is a limitation with that you have to enter uh, Norway. Ten, you have to enter 10 days before not to be, uh, to, and to be in quarantine to be able to, to come and uh, do a race because we have not only the pro team matches, but there's, of course, a lot of recreation skiers normally doing both of the races. So uh, that's why it's quite uh, needed, so to say, to have this free weekend between Vasloppet and Birken. We were looking at filling that weekend with a race, but I think that the best decision in, in the end was to have a free weekend. So with the rules that are there today, you would be able to do, do both Vasloppet and Birken, even if you are recreation skiers, if you are allowed to, to go there, so to say. Of course, Birken is, uh, you know, 
it has a special aura around it. When on uh, a good weather, you know, you have these two mountains you're going, starting in Rena early morning, and then going over the two big, big mountains. Where the, if we said it was a long climb in in Jesarska with about nine, ten k uphill, here's about sixteen, seventeen k until Raufiel's top. So it's it's a rough morning, you can say it like that. And then the ninth race is Orefelslopet, the new edition. Not actually the one that, the returning one, but new for this year. And you mentioned earlier that it'll be the longest race, 100K. Uh, but what kind of race is that really for those who haven't done it? It's a it's a race that that has existed for a while now. And you guys kind of started it, your company, way back. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started the Vismaski Classics to have... Uh... There was long, there was season, I guess, season two, can that be correct? That we wanted to have our own final um, uh, final event where, uh, of course, Ore in Sweden is pretty much like Lev in Finland or Cortina in Italy or Samoritz in uh, Switzerland. It's the famous Alpine resort where a lot of people in, in the Stockholm area has a winter or summer house, whatever you do there. Mostly people, I guess, go in Alpine, but you can also go a lot of mountain biking and stuff in the summertime. So uh, it's a great place to have also Gala. It's a great place to go and travel to if you haven't been there to see or where, of course, the Alpine World Champion has been several times. So the race itself, it's um, uh, I think we've never done the same course twice. And then, so in this winter, we plan to do a completely different as well. So it, it is more, it, it's experience in, in the focus where you should get a, a fantastic day on cross-country skis. You're going to, go over lakes, you're going to go through marshlands, you're going to go over mountains and you have some uh, steep uphills and one really, really steep downhill. So it's, it's a little bit of everything in this race. Seeing this small, it's, it's a little bit like they are building a, like, you know, maybe one of our favorite places, Temode, in Seefeld in Austria, they have this small cross-country network of trails where the alms and coffee uh, cafes in different places, you can stop, you can have Gulash or something down there. It's a little bit similar actually here in this uh, södra Årefjällen where you have Volodalen where we have the start, we have Etsdalen, Trillevallen, Utsjö. So these are kind of connected with cross-country ski trails in the winter. So I, I don't know how many trails it's in total. I, I guess you can find that. But, I, but it's it's a lot of the trails that we don't use in this 100k race. So so there's a lot of things to explore in uh, in either a long day or making short trips in different days. So putting this into a 100K race in this area, I know it's going to be a fantastic day on, on both on skis for the athletes, but also for, for the people in front of the TVs. It's going to be really exciting because it has a tough, quite flat part for double poling and then comes a really steep part with a couple of mountains and then another flat part it's also it's a very varied race i i don't know what you think Temo. is there some which which race is it most similar to in the tour what's your opinion uh in many ways could be ules levy a little bit as well because ules levy has a lot of flats as well then some kind of heavy climbs uh kind of the same uh, you know uh, uh latitude as well and 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 so forth i agree I it's, a, it's a swedish version of ules levy but a little bit longer 30k more and I'm pretty sure that our athletes are really happy to have a long, long race because they are long-distance skiers. So what do you think if this race go, goes well? Do you think that it'll stay in the calendar because it's been in the calendar uh, in the past? 
Yeah, we have uh, Orifice Lopez has been in the past, then it's been a challenger as well. And uh, I mean, it is a challenger normal year. Uh, all this in the Vismas class of women who start we're already working, me and Caroline, the project leader of, of uh, Vismas Classic, we're already working on season 12, of course. So uh, then uh, we always look at our, the challenges we have, and it's about 35 challenger events with Orifice Lopez is one of them. And so all of them uh, we, we monitor and uh, see if it's possible to, to move them up to pro tour status and have a little bit dynamic within. So for sure, Orifice Open is one of the races that are close to, uh, to taking this step um, maybe back for, for a long time in the calendar, but there's also many other options. So it's too early to say. Let's uh, first do the race this winter and uh, then we evaluate and uh, make the right decision for, for season 12. But uh, me personally, I really look forward going there. And I think with, uh, of course, the 100K, it's not the flat. You cannot compare it really to Vosselopet. It's, it's much more um, hilly race. So 100K is is tough one. We will see if it's, if it's too tough or if it's um, a good distance. And uh, and what I what I hear is that they are discussing to open up also for as I said for for super recreation skis I call them the one just outside the the pro teams and the, I guess what they're thinking about is that if you have your winning time plus twenty five percent meaning if you do for example the winner is four hours in Vosloppe you do it in five as a male skier uh, could be women skier with the women at four hours and then you have to do it five hours as well. Then you get this 25% badge, the pin in the My Pages, and uh, then you're qualified to to register for for a, a limited number of spots in Orpheus Loppet. So that's something I know they are looking into, and we we'll see if they manage to to launch it already in front of uh, this first event. Well, that's really exciting because that's a little bit like in triathlon where you can qualify to certain races and 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 also kind of involves uh, the uh, the Regular skiers, as as you said. Yeah, but I mean, then this is uh, this is a loop. So you, we go, uh, we have pretty much everything is on separate tracks. But then we are meeting each other from Utrecht over the lake. We are so to say the track out and track in is going on the same. So it's limited how many people that can be there. And then hundred k in high this topography, it's a really tough race. So I think um, if you are into do or if you slope it, but uh, then start with the fifty five k because that's not. It's not a walk in the park that 55 case case either, and you you get the whole course, but in one direction. Don't need to go home again. So, so it's uh, almost the same experience wise. Uh, the 55k, you you get to see the whole part of the track. I would say. Uh, so, uh, if you haven't done it, start with 55. I would recommend, and then uh, see if you think you you manage to do it twice because that 55 is a tough one. And then after Orifes Lopet, we once again have a one weekend off, which is actually the Easter weekend. And then a Reisterlope, which is most likely uh, the toughest race in the Pro Tour. And this is a good uh, time to promote our upcoming uh, podcast. This Saturday, Reisterlope is our theme. Uh, but back to that particular race. It is a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough, uh, it's, uh, it's not a long race, but it's a uh, the probably the toughest single climb where you go up to Urta and uh, from first you have about 10k flat and then you you see a mountain wall in front of you the, the bad thing is that you have to go up it so uh, uh, so of course it, that's the, the climb is the 
most notorious climb in our Wismaski Classics Pro Tour when where you start and and uh, then you, it's, it's sometimes so steep that you almost feel like you're falling backwards. So um, so the Orta climb is of course with race alert, but it's pretty much significant. I mean um, the X factor of, of the race, but also it's it's now the one of the first of the two races north of the Arctic Circle. So just being up there in this time of the year in April, where more or less the sun always shines and it's uh, for especially southern europeans it's it's an extremely an, an extreme experience i would say going up to this part of the world taking maybe time a little bit extra days going to the Tromsø region lingen alps for some randonneur skiing or, or or why not go to lufoot and watching some whales eating some good food and uh, it, it's a uh, it's a hidden pearl of Europe, I would say, this part of, of Northern Norway. And an interesting fact about the race is that so far, uh, no one has won the race by double polling. It's always been a diagonal strider. But it was close. It was close. Yeah, it's been close. I mean, it, it, Peter Elias was really close uh, last time. He was fifth, uh, but couldn't beat the uh, Mikael Gunnelfsen one at that time. But then... Finally, Ulles Levi, the final race, uh, dear race to me, of course, because it's a race in Finland, and it is the uh, the finale of uh, the tour. Yeah, of course, last winter when we didn't have to, got to do it, it was really sad. It's, um, as you say, very similar to, to Orifjallsloppet and uh, the nature and surroundings, the Alpine resorts, uh, going from the mountain of Ulles to with a sauna gondola there, it's typical Finnish, I guess. And then over the marshlands and some small hills and lakes and and ending up in the pretty much city center of uh, Levi, which is the most famous alpine place in Finland, where they of course also have the, the Alpine World Cup every season. So it's a it's a really nice place for for a cross country ski race, and also a nice place to have the uh, the season ending gala. Yeah, for sure. Uh, overwatching the the midnight sun almost. It's not midnight, but it's 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 um, special light up there at that time. So that is definitely uh, the schedule for season eleven. Uh, anything else you want to say in terms of like the you mentioned the regulations or the kind of the things that athletes, but also the regular folks that are going to these races need to take into account. When they plan, I mean, course, planning, uh, I mean, this is where we are now in the beginning of November. As I said in the in the beginning, that we will make uh, a go or no go decision fourteen days from Corona perspective, knowing that we will, of course, also have our normal, uh, so to say, Plan B situation due to storms or avalanches or lack of snow and so. So, of course, it can change for other reasons, but. From Corona, we will uh, make a go or no go latest 14 days before each event. And then we have to accept where we come in the end of the season. And what we have decided from, from the tour is that if we deliver five events uh, or more, it will be a pro tour. If it happened to be then when we summarize the season less than five events, that is four or less, then we will not consider it as a tour. Then it's for individual events affecting prize money and yellow bibs and and these things. So we, we, we decided to, to draw the line at five individual events, and then we will, of course, evaluate, evaluate that. Uh, we also look uh, for 
I mean, we spoke about the challenges before, and we will make a decision before when we know a little bit more. We still have two months till the first event, but we make a decision before the first event whether or not to calculate challengers in the yellow bib this winter. Because if we see that uh, a lot of events are cancelling, we don't want it to be unfair that it's actually hard to find challengers. So uh, calculate me, and then then we will make a decision before the first event that this winter we will not calculate the challengers in the yellow bib competition. But we, we will wait and see uh, what comes out there. We also decided, uh, sadly, that we will not do any gala in Lebe this winter. That's uh, normally a really great time after the last event that all our Pro Tour teams and fans, sponsors, have a great party and uh, up where they hand out all the all the price, prices and price money for the season together. But... Uh, Normally about 500 persons there together, but of course this year it's it's not wise at the moment where we are. We, we decided to make that decision already now, so people know what to expect. So yeah, that's um, that that's about it for for the coming season, I would say. Hopefully yeah, and of course uh, we, we get get the races to be able to go ahead. And of course, these are the things that we all need to take into consideration, you know, the restrictions and, and, and so forth. And we always pretty uh, staying on top of it all the, all the time. So as a final thing, now go, based on all this that we've been uh, discussing, uh, all the events and, and so forth, what kind of race are you hoping to, to see? Tenth once was the anniversary year. This is 11th, uh, very different from uh, all the other years. But from your perspective, what are you hoping? The only hope I have is to take it race by race and um, and um, wish that we can actually do as many as possible this winter. That's what only thing we can do and hope it, I mean, we are in the beginning of November. I hope it doesn't get worse with the pandemic, that it kind of stops where it is and hopefully starts going to the better as soon as possible. But we will have to wait and see. And uh, in the end, we have to accept whatever we get this winter. It's just, it, as we said already in the summer this year, that whatever happens season 11, we have to accept it. We, we will do our best. We work hard every weekend, but there are some things in life you basically you just can't affect. I think we're giving us the best possible situation, moving the calendar forward, taking race by race. And then um, there's not some more, more we can do now than to hope, Demo. So cross your fingers, everyone. Good words indeed. Thank you very much, David. Uh, that's what we all hope. And everybody, thank you for joining us. Stay healthy and also stay tuned for this Saturday. Reisteloipe uh, will be the podcast theme. And uh, just go out and exercise. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.